Are you uh, all right, Miss uh... Megara? My friends call me Meg. At least they would if I had any friends. So, <laughs> did they give you a name along with all those rippling pectorals? Uh, uh, I, I'm. Um, uh, I, I, Are you uh, always this articulate? Hercules. My <clears throat> my name is Hercules. Hercules. I think I prefer Wonder Boy. So. Uh, how, how, how'd you get mixed up with the... Pinhead with hooves? Well, you know how men are. They think no means yes, and get lost means take me, I'm yours. <laughs> Don't worry, Shorty here can explain it to you later. Well, thanks for everything, Herc. It's been a real slice. Wait, um, can we give you a ride? Don't think your Pinto likes me very much. Pegasus? Oh, don't be silly. He'd be more than happy to. Ow. I'll be all right. I'm a big tough girl. I tie my own oh. sandals and everything. <laughs> bye bye, Wonder Boy. Bye. is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this episode, I wouldn't say it's bad per I would. se. I will. Okay, but it's not boring, which is the main thing I take this season to task for. It's definitely, it's not good, but it's at least bad in a kind of interesting way. Uh, I checked how much runtime was left about five or six times on this episode when I was watching it through the first time. Uh, this is episode 13 of season five, Labor of Love. Or episode two of chapter eight, The Not-So-Good Place. This is, okay, so... Wait, I want to do a disclaimer first. All right. I'm going to do my best... Not to be really obnoxious about... Greek mythology? Yes. Hmm, okay. We'll see how that goes. Yes. Because, first of all, the story of Hercules. Heracles. You know what? I I resisted doing that. Although I do have a thing to say about that. Hmm. The story of Hercules that we know is compiled from a lot of different fractions of stories and mythologies. So to say something is not accurate is ridiculous because we're all just talking about Edith Hamilton and she just chose the best way to make it into a structured narrative. I do love me some Edith Hamilton. I should reread that or maybe not. Maybe that would be not a great thing to uh, to reread while, you know, doing this particular season. Yeah, probably not. By the way, this is the Hercules episode of this season. Now, I know what you're thinking since we're, you know, in Hades, and Hades is the main villain, obviously we should be getting a lot of Hercules this season. I mean, that would make sense, right? That would make sense. Nope, this is the one episode this character's in. You know what? That might be for the best. I, okay, you know, I said I was not going to get obnoxious about how how inaccurate this episode is to Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and I won't, but you know what I want to talk about? What this episode does to Meg. Oh, oh yes. I was going to get into that because I would not have major issues with this episode not being loyal to Greek mythology. 
I do have some issues with it not being loyal to the fucking Disney movie. They literally reduce her to a damsel in distress. Are they unfamiliar with the movie? Are they unfamiliar with the most popular meme from out of that movie? Which is the gif of Meg saying the line, I'm a damsel, I'm in distress. I can handle it. I can handle it. I mean, Meg is one of the most proactive female Disney love interests. Yes, and also, she's the Disney love interest with kind of experience. She's the one who's not naive. She's definitely older than Hercules. She's seen things. She's done things. She's one of the few Disney love interests that actually start out working for the bad guy. Especially, I think she might be the only female Disney love interest who starts out working for the bad guy. I think that might be accurate. I will ponder it. But yes, I think that's accurate. Here... We don't even get her backstory. We don't even know why she's here, only how she died and that, well, you know what? Let's save that for later. All right, so we we get a really short recap. They're basically like, okay, so everyone's in hell and they figured out that they can get people to heaven if they help them resolve their unresolved issues. That's all you need to know. Yeah, basically this went from being a rescue mission to just an interminable quest where they're going to release all of the souls from out of this middle place into the white place. See, I was going to say it's very early 2000s fantasy genre show. You know, like Joan of Arcadia or Wonder Falls or uh, the very, very short-lived Cupid. Well, it's actually literally the plot of Wraith the Oblivion, the White Wolf game where you're a ghost. Hmm. The White Wolf game where you're a ghost, Wraith the Oblivion, you play a ghost and you have all of this baggage, and the goal of the game is to release your baggage so that you can pass on to heaven. It's This this season is literally the plot of the White Wolf role-playing game. Mm. So the episode proper opens on Hook, who is in a dungeon and he's been eating strawberry jam! Okay, so in episodes past... We have talked about how the show borrows from horror movie aesthetics, usually to its benefit. Mm-hmm. So we've made a change now. Now it's not really a horror movie. It's become a torture porn film. This season, I, I realized as I was watching this scene, why this season bothers me so much. This season is hook torture porn, a genre which I have no time for. I swear to God, this is not... This is such bad gore makeup. Well, okay, it might not look realistic, but I do have to give them, they were not afraid to make him look ugly. Like, his eye is swollen shut, and it's all over his face, and you know what they didn't do, though? What? Do anything to make the girl ugly. Yeah, I mean... There's a girl in the dungeon with Hook, and she has no gore makeup, no no bruises, no bumps. She just looks fine. She's got a pretty bad case of smudge face. She she has some artistic ash on her face. That's it. Now, you keep saying dungeon. I want to clarify, this is not like a torture dungeon. This is a dungeon from a fantasy game or movie. It's very, very video gamey. It really reminded me of Saw. Hmm. That's what made me start drawing the torture porn analogies. I mean, it's two people who wake up in a dungeon together, and she's telling him, wait, we can't leave because there's some 
scary, scary thing that guards the door that will prevent us from leaving. So the mysterious girl who definitely isn't somebody we know, say Meg, is like, there's no way we can escape from here. And Hook's like, eh, I think we can. Or at least I think you can and you need to tell Emma and everyone else that Captain Killian, I mean Captain Hook, sent you. Which is weird phrasing, but whatever. Because he knows that Emma is down here in hell looking for him because of the weird almost connection they had last episode. So he's going to distract whatever it is that's keeping them down there and she'll get out and find help. It seems like a very simple solution to this problem, but... It seems like it should have been more complicated, but I don't want this episode to be any longer, so we'll let it go. So... Speaking of hell... The Charmings! Yes, the Charmings are in Hell's graveyard, where Snow realizes that everyone in the graveyard has a name from her kingdom. No, her father's kingdom. Hmm, that is a very important distinction. Yes. Anyway, Mary Margaret is about to have a very important realization. She looks at all of these gravestones and says, wait, it was my job to protect them, and I failed. But then right before she moves on to the next step of, I am a terrible ruler and should not be put in charge of anything. No, no, no. She blows right past that. She says, if I couldn't protect these people, how could I protect Emma? You know what, Mary Margaret? Like, just for ten seconds, stay on the thought on the people who it's your job to protect, okay? Just, 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 just maybe give them a full minute of your attention. Nope, but she blows right past that. Onto Emma, who apparently that's why they went into hell to protect Emma, I guess, apparently. And David's like, don't worry about it. We've always protected Emma before. What? When? I mean, you they- saved her from the dark curse that one time when she was a newborn baby. They did throw that baby into a pit to keep her from becoming evil. Yeah, and how'd that work out for them? Oh, right. <laughs> Legitimately, the... I mean, granted, it was basically the one move they actually did when they were her parents before she was too old and didn't need them anymore. But I I guess they successfully protected her from the Dark Curse by throwing her into the wardrobe that took her to the land without magic. So, yes, you have protected her in the past. Ish. Anyway, they've all split up to find Hook, and Emma is off in the woods, and David says, Hey, we should go into the woods with her, because no one is better at tracking than Bandit Snow. Hmm. Wish you had Bandit Snow with you then, don't you? I'd like to point out that Bandit Snow had a werewolf helping her out, so. Yeah, she she had a... She had a pretty strong advantage there. Meanwhile, all Mary Margaret has is you, David. Ha! Huh. Speaking of all Mary Margaret has, so... So Mary Margaret sees a grave that shocks her, but it's shot in such a way so that we can't see the name on the grave. But it does throw us, and presumably Mary Margaret as well, into a flashback. Where Snow and Regina are in the receiving hall. Young Snow and Regina are in the uh, receiving hall. Yeah, so this is the time period after Daniel has been killed, after Regina has married Snow's father, but before Regina has killed Snow's father. And he is gone on some sort of king business. You can tell it's this time period because Snow is played by different actress Snow. She's young Snow. Right. She's played by the actress who plays Snow as a child. They're pretty lucky that these actors aren't, like, visibly aging that much. Well, I mean, also, 
it's supposed to be a couple years later in the timeline, so it's okay that she's aged a couple years. Yeah, she's 16-ish now. Yeah, let's go 16. So, Snow and Regina are being told by the people who have gathered in the receiving room about a terrible bandit who has been attacking their land. And Snow's like, sounds rough on you, but my dad's, you know, a man and he's the one who's really in charge here, so why don't you just wait until he gets back to take care of this? But the leader of the village is like, well, the thing is, if we, if we wait for your dad to come back, we're all going to be dead. He's killing us. You need to help us. Help us now. And Regina says, my stepdaughter will take care of this. And Snow takes care of it by freaking the fuck out and running out of the room. Bursting into tears and just bolting. Look, you are 16 years old. I get that you don't know exactly what to do, but you know what you could do? You could say, thank you for bringing me this information. I will consult with my advisors. You don't go running out of the room like some, oh my God, it's, is she? You don't run out of the room screaming and crying and flailing your limbs all willy nilly. Snow is a terrible ruler. And what makes this even funnier is that she runs not just out of the room, but out of the castle and immediately falls in a hole. A giant pit trap that has presumably been dug to capture animals. Also, she's wearing a cloak. Okay, so just here's how we see it. We see her running out of the receiving room, and then we cut to the woods and we see her running through the woods. But in the woods, she's wearing a cloak. So she, like, ran, like, oh, no, I'm so upset. I don't know what to do. Hang on, let me get my cloak. It's cold outside. Oh, no, I'm so upset. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Snow is in a hole. It looks like Regina really didn't have to do that much to get her revenge because Snow is trapped in this hole. Luckily, a phallus drops down to rescue her. Yeah, a sword drops down and Snow grasps the hilt and a... Bulging arm pulls her out of that pit trap. Yes, they hired this actor solely due to his very large biceps. This young man, I would like to point out, I know I said I'm not going to do this, I'm sorry, I can't help myself completely, is wearing a fur cloak. Mm. I would go so far as to say it is this character's trademark fur cloak. And I will come back to that. Can we, can we just say who this is? It's Hercules. It's Hercules. Hercules has rescued Snow White from the random pit she fell into. And she's like, oh, thank you for saving me. I'm Snow White. And he says, you certainly are, which is just a very odd thing to say. I mean, I guess she's kind of pale, but... Yeah, it's weird. So he's like, nice to, nice to save you. I'm Hercules. And... I'm going to bring up one of my major issues with this character. Oh, please. Oh, wait. Is it? Wait, can I guess what it is? You can. Is it that he's not a redhead? Yes. That is my issue with this character. I don't have issues with it in other adaptations of Hercules because it's not like an iconic part of who he is. Marvel Hercules isn't a redhead and it's fine. But this is a Disney property. This is tying in with Disney's Hercules. And it, it it's there's a weird thing... In which, in adaptations of properties that have red-headed male characters, those characters tend to become brunettes. You... They tend to become brunettes when they go live-action, like Daredevil. Yeah, 
Exactly, like Daredevil, where Matt Murdock is not a redhead anymore, but he has brown hair. Or kind of a reddish brown. Uh, He's not a ginger. There's there's a rampant bias against gingers in in media. Ginger males. You're not going to see an adaptation of uh, the X-Men without a red-haired Jean Grey. You know, I don't think I really hear the word ginger applied to women that much. Yeah, I guess it's mostly a dude thing. Yeah. I mean, we've been watching Anne with an E. Uh, you're not going to see an Anne of Green Gables uh, adaptation that doesn't have a red-headed main character. Well, that would just be ridiculous, though. Mm. Or Calvin in Wrinkle in Time had a brown-haired kid playing him. Yeah. And he's an iconic redhead. I think Ron Weasley's the only dude who really... I mean, with the Weasleys, they really had no choice. Yeah. If if they had had a choice to not have the Weasleys be red-haired, they probably wouldn't have been. Oh, yeah. If they thought they could get away with it. Yeah. We cut from... Uh... Oh, wait. Also, sorry. I just throw this out there. Yeah. Hercules' red hair is more than just a style choice. It's a cool way of tying in the fact that he is related to Ariel. Something we have discussed at length on this podcast, but something which is very, very cool, and I love it when they tie stuff like that together. So, that's annoying. Yeah. So, anyway. I hear they don't even have a face character for Hercules at uh, Disneyland anymore. Oh. Like, it was so unpop- the movie was so unpopular. Well, that's wild. I'm not sure that's true. I want to look into that. Yeah, I'm not sure it's true either, but... I feel like you're definitely a lot less likely to see a Hercules than, say, an evil stepsister. That movie's had kind of a cult resurgence in the last five or six years. So I, I'd i be curious to see if even if they retired him briefly, if there are Hercules face characters now. Yeah, that's just something I heard. I don't, I don't follow the Disney Park stuff as strictly as some people do. I know that that's, there's very uh, particular fandoms for that sort of thing. But uh, it'd be nice to see him getting a little more play. I know the Disney Hercules movie has flaws. Well, I mean, if you, if you want if you want to know about the flaws of Disney's Hercules, please look no further than the exhaustive Lindsay Ellis video on the subject. But those are mostly structural. Like Hercules himself, as a character, is perfectly fine. He's a good character. It's just the narrative built around him doesn't work particularly well. Anyway, back in Bizarro Storybook. Mary Margaret is uh, has fallen to her knees in front of Hercules' grave. And David's like, so did you know Hercules? And she's like, I did know Hercules. And he's like, okay, but you get what I'm saying? Like, no, in a, in a biblical sense. Do, do, do you have sex with Hercules? And she's like, I did know Hercules. Yep. Spoiler alert for the end of the episode. She totally had sex with Hercules. And David's like, how am I supposed to compete with a god? And she's like, David, oh my god, my friend is dead. Can you like chill out about your penis for five seconds? Also, he was a demigod, not a god. Demigod. I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, are you you looking at me because you know what I'm going to talk about? No, but I, I am excited to see what you're going to talk about. We didn't, we very specifically did not talk about this episode after watching it, so this would all be fresh. Okay. Hercules in this episode of Once Upon a Time is a demigod. He tells Snow White that he is half god. His father was a god, his mother was mortal. 
Mm. So this is directly from Greek mythology, not from the Disney movie. Right. In the Disney movie, Hercules is the son of Zeus and Hera. And (laughs) yes. Okay, wait, wait. I've got so much more to say about this. Okay. Heracles. Bane of Hera. Glory of Hera. Ooh. Uh, Yes. Hercules was given that name in an attempt to mollify the very, very jealous Hera. Ask Io how that works out for people. Ask Meg how that works out for people, because spoiler alert, it does not. Instead, she put a spell on Hercules to drive him into a frenzy, causing him to kill his wife, Megara, and their two children. Then when he sought penance, that's when he did the Twelve Labors of Hercules, which is what gave him his legendary greatness. So his name is ironic because Heracles was intended to give glory to Hera so that she would chill out. But also it means that he, Hercules, gets his glory from Hera, which he does because it is through her that he is pushed to become a hero, which is also what happens in this episode to Snow, where we see that her origin story is being pushed by Regina, who is trying to undo her, until she is forced to become a hero. Wow, that would be really clever if that was at all intentional, which I'm 100% sure it wasn't. You might also remember that story if you watched the Kevin Sorbo Hercules TV show. Is there a Meg in that show? Oh, yeah, that's the inc- it's the inciting incident that launches him on his legendary journeys. Anyway, Mary Margaret, back in hell, is sad for Hercules being dead for about as long as she was sad about her people being dead before she realizes that this can help her. She's like, wait a second, if, he, if his grave is in here, that means he's in here and he can save us. We won't have to do anything. Hercules she, will do it for us. She really says that. What the hell? Which, I mean, if he ended up here, he probably isn't in a great position. Right? Anyway, in the woods, Emma and Henry are following the trails, trying to figure out how to find Hook. But honestly, it feels like they're just wandering around at random. Yeah. So, I want to point out two things. uh, Because Regina and Robin show up and Regina says, Look, there's maps of Storybrooke in my office. And since this place is basically just Storybrooke anyway... Robin, you take Henry to my office, get the maps, and then we can, you know, break this up into quadrants and do this more professionally. Wait, I have two things to point out, too. I wonder if they overlap. Tell me your two things to point out. Okay, my two things are, so we know magic works down here. Okay. Locator spell. Or teleportation to her office. Oh. Also that, that, but my one thing was locator spell. My other thing was, there was an object... That they had back in season two and in season three that helped you find people. Remember that globe that could help you find anyone? Oh, I totally forgot about that globe. Just like the characters on this show. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I know locator spells basically made that object worthless, but like. You had to like bleed on it though. You had to cast a complicated spell. It wasn't, it wasn't as. Forgetting about that object isn't as much of a slip as forgetting about locator spells. No, neither of those things were my two things. Oh, what were your two things? Regina says that she has a map of every inch of Storybrooke. That cannot possibly be true because, as we know, Storybrooke grows and shrinks as needed. Mm. And also, I love how quickly Regina sends Robin and Henry off so that she can be alone with Emma. At first, Henry's like, look, I'll, you know, I'm good at research. I'm 
basically the most competent character in the show at this point. I'll go to the office and find the map. And uh, Regina's like, okay, why don't you take Robin for protection? But I really think it's more... Henry's going to protect Robin? Yeah. Because if you remember from uh, the end of the author season, Henry by himself basically took care of everything. I feel like Henry's the one who's going to stop Robin from eating it here. Robin does not have a good track record protecting people. So after uh, Regina and Emma send Henry and Robin off, they find a mysterious blood trail in the woods. Which Emma, for some reason, is convinced is Killian's. There's a lot of people in hell, Emma. And they all bleed. Which is weird. Let's not even. Let's not even deal with what is hell and why do you still feel pain in it? And if there's hell, how come there's super hell and then also heaven? Anyway. Also, why are people in hell afraid of dying? Because everyone in hell is really scared of dying. Does dying automatically send you to super hell? Yeah, I think it does. So they follow the blood trail to the mysterious girl who definitely isn't Meg, but it's Meg. Yeah. And she's like, you have to get me out of here. It's coming after me. We know it's Cerberus. We saw the three glowing eyes and the crappy CGI. It's Cerberus. Six, six glowing eyes. Yes, we saw the six glowing eyes and then it's Cerberus. We're in hell. It's Cerberus. But Emma instinctively uses teleport. She does. So is this the first time we've seen non-dark one Emma teleport herself? It absolutely is. Wow. It's cool. It's like her teleport is white smoke. See, the thing is, when I first saw it, I was like, is that orange just because of the color correction? And then I was like, no, no, it's white and there's color correction. Yeah. Yeah. Emma has instinctively teleported them to her parents' loft because Uh, why not? It's one of the sets they have. That's what I was about to say. And Regina's like, wait, what about when the people who own this place come back? And Emma shows her a picture on the mantle of David and Mary Margaret. Apparently, this place is just sitting here waiting for them to die, which is soups creepy. Hey, but that's what we do every episode. Just sit here and wait for them to die? Yep. Anyway, she goes to the girl who says that, you know, Killian's alive. He said to find Emma. He's in some sort of horrible dungeon where horrible things are horribly happening to him. It's weird. Okay, so this episode has both a non-revealing reveal and a revealing reveal. Like, Meg being Meg is a perfectly fine reveal. I I don't think that was the problem with Meg in this episode. But Cerberus being the threat is weirdly an unrevealing reveal. Because they keep not wanting to show it or say what it is. But they say it's a three-headed thing and it's guarding stuff in hell. Like, what? What? Jesus. Who, 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 who do you think we, who do you think you're talking to once upon a time? You're talking to people who made it all the way through the first five and a half seasons of your show. We know who Cerberus the Hellhound is. Also, presumably the people who are watching the show have seen the Disney Hercules movie. Cerberus is in that. Yeah. Whatever. She gives them an ominous warning about the creature whose name she dare not say, but it's Cerberus. And that, for some reason, cuts us right back into a flashback where Kid Snow White is talking to baby Hercules. Yep, he's telling her about how he's a half-god, and if he completes these 12 labors, he'll get to go up to Olympus and be a full god. Hmm, so we're back in the Disney Hercules now, then. Yes, and what's interesting is he tells Snow that he wants to spend as much time with her as possible before he 
is gone from Earth, presumably up in Olympus, mm. which implies that once you get to Olympus, you can't come back to Earth. And Hercules, where do you think you came from? Mm. Yeah, solid point. Anyway, you know, you know what gets a lot of play with us is Anna of Arendelle teaching Prince Charming how to sword fight so that he can kill Little Bo Peep, the warlord. But we don't give enough credit to Hercules teaching Snow White how to fight with a bow and arrow. Okay, so Hercules- Wait, oh my god, it's so, so much, so much, so much. Okay, he tells her that he only has 12 labors to complete. And then he pulls out this little leather portfolio that looks like those things that you put coins in when you're a coin collector. You know what it is? I know you didn't play the game, so you don't know this, but in Pokemon- Is it his Pokédex? No, no, no. It's uh, the thing you carry your badges in. Every time you defeat a gym leader, you get a specialized badge that signifies that you beat that gym leader. Oh, okay. And you put them in a little belt thing like this. Oh, that's so funny. Um, Now, I do want to point out that the badges that he has do, in fact, reflect the actual 12 labors of Hercules. It's convenient that the Aegean stables is represented by four horses and not a giant pile of shit. Mm. Yes, it is. <laughs> but yes, he has completed 11 out of the 12 labors. The last thing he needs to do is, I thought it was tame Cerberus. Wasn't that the thing? Capture and bring back. Capture and bring back Cerberus. Now, what's interesting is in this episode, we learn that Hercules never completed that mission. He never killed Cerberus. In actuality, he does do it. He does it pretty easily. He doesn't kill him either, he just... He's not supposed to kill him, he's supposed to bring him back. Yeah, And because Hades is actually a fairly chill dude by Greek god standards. Well, and the king who had been sending him on missions was finding excuses to keep extending the amount of labors he had to perform. Originally it was only 10, and he mm. extended it to 12. So when he brought back Cerberus and released him in the throne room, that's when he was like, okay, you're done! <laughs> no, seriously, that's the story of Hercules. Nah, I know. But this is important because Hercules is one of the only part mortal people who has gone to hell and returned multiple times even which is why he is a part of the beginning of the orpheus myth which i don't have a problem with this being changed in this episode because that actually makes this episode a stand-in for the orpheus myth where hercules the person who has been to hell and returned is the person who is serving as their guide in this particular piece of hell Hmm. it's also kind of dante-esque he's the virgil he is as we mentioned earlier, this is the one episode with Hercules in it this season, which is disappointing because, as we've been discussing, there are multiple stories about Hercules saving people and bringing things to the underworld. You think that he'd be more of a major character? Also, he had his own Disney movie, but I, yeah, no, they definitely should have done more with Hercules here. So in this flashback, Hercules is telling. Snow White, that she is going to be brave and she is going to defeat this bandit. Because he's going to teach her how to be a hero. So Hercules is going to show Snow White how to become a great hero and drive those bandits off instead of being like, hey, don't you have guards or something at your castle? Like, Right? I mean, I get that Snow is kind of a bandit queen. The Snow that we have seen is a warrior queen. And that's a cool trope. I'm not going to say otherwise. But you don't have to be a warrior ruler. You could be a ruler who has warriors. Yeah, I mean, 
Honestly, I feel like if you're going to be a really effective ruler, your job is mostly administration. Right? But Snow doesn't want to do the boring stuff. Snow wants to do the... Glory stuff. I feel like Snow doesn't really have strong wants one way or the other. Snow doesn't really want to do stuff. Snow's a contrarian. Yeah, that's true. But Hercules is going to show her how to shoot a bow and arrow so well that uh, she scares off all the bandits because he can tell that someday she's going to be a great queen. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. That's a line. So I'm guessing foresight isn't one of Hercules' superpowers. Um... But talking women into bed is. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, he's going to teach her how to defeat this eye patch bandit. He has an eye patch. He doesn't steal eye patches. Oh, he might do both. I mean, maybe he steals eye patches too. That's where he gets all of his eye patches. Hmm. So we cut from Hercules teaching Snow how to be a hero to Emma and Virginia going to the blind witch to pump her for information Well, what else would they pump her for? Okay. Okay. How underutilized is Emma Caulfield? I know. This This scene is amazing. It's my favorite scene in this episode. Okay. I I know we mentioned it last time, but comedy cannibal is a thing, right? It is. It is. When she was alive, she was a genuinely really scary character and... In a way, we don't really see characters being scary on this show. Her whole setup, you know, the the cottage full of bones. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it had a real deep horror element to it. But here she's freaking hilarious. She is. She talks, well, first she wants to know why she would help Regina at all, since Regina's the one who killed her, the one who burned her alive. And, and Regina's like, well, you took my apple, so, eh. Not just, you took my apple. She says, you took my apple. What do you think happens when you steal from a witch? Witch. And then Emma Caulfield's like, eh. She literally says, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. She's so sassy. I love her. So they ask her about Hercules, and she tells them that she does know who Hercules is because he comes into the diner every day on his lunch break. And she's trying to fatten him up, but it's not working. He's too bulgy to be fattened. Okay, so is she still eating people in hell? How is this working exactly? No idea. Doesn't matter. Oh, I love her. Because apparently Hercules works at the docks. Hercules' job is to be interrogated by Briscoe every week. He's the guy on the docks moving boxes back and forth. Although I do want to point out, having made that joke about Law and Order and... You know, the way the interrogation scenes happen in Law and Order. I do want to point out that his job does seem to be lifting up things that would be too heavy for a mortal man to lift and then setting them down on the other side of the dock. So Mary Mark is like, Hercules, wow, you look exactly the same. You must have died right after we boned. And he's like, yeah, and you look really freaking old. What happened to you? Are you someone's grandma? And she's like, yeah, but let's not get into that. Yeah, basically. She's like, what are you doing here? I I thought you were going to, you know, kill Cerberus and then go up to God heaven. And he's like, yeah, that didn't super work out for me. Yeah, he tells her he didn't finish his labors, which she should know because as she tells him, Cerberus is here. I guess Cerberus could die and be here. Yeah, I mean, if if he had killed Cerberus, I guess he would have ended up here. Yeah. Anyway, she tells him Cerberus is here. And he's like, wait, 
Cerberus is in hell? Yeah. Well, they try to do a comedy moment with him where he's like, where? And she's like, no, not here, here, here in the underworld. And he doesn't pull it off because, well, anyway. He's not a great actor. He's but fine. He's fine, which, I mean, he's fine for a one episode character, which he is, which he shouldn't be, so. Yeah, I get how that's a problem. Anyway, he tells her he's not a hero anymore now that he's dead. Because she's all like, you have to go, you have to come with us and kill Cerberus. And he's like, yeah, no, I already died once fighting that dude. I'm not going through that again. Although, as you said, what's he afraid of? Extra dying. Right? Speaking of people who are extra dying. Hook has fallen in yet more strawberry jam. He is now in the middle of Hades' throne room getting, like, psychologically tortured by Hades. See, I'm impressed that a three-headed dog managed to work him over, because, I mean, it just looks like he'd been punched a whole lot. It doesn't look like he's been lightly mauled, which I think is what they were going for. Well, they actually have Hades pull back his jacket so that you can see that there are actual cuts on him. But Colin actually has to, like, lift his neck and str- and stretch it out so that you can see where they applied the scratch makeup. So, Henry has brought Robin Hood to Evil City Hall? Evil City Hall! Where it turns out that Regina's mayoral office is concealed in this world. No, no, it's not concealed. It's um under a protection spell. It is under a protection spell. Robin grabs the doorknob of the office and he is shocked backwards at the spell. And Henry says, oh, Grandma Cora must have put a spell on it. Like, I know technically she's your grandma, but... Kid, stop with that, okay? Just stop with that. Luckily, she didn't think to put her protection spell on the air duct. Which is how Robin got into actual Regina's office, so I'm cool with that. Yeah. So Robin Hood tells Henry to stay there. He's going to go into the office and get the maps. And Henry's like, yeah, no, you're not. Henry tells him to wait in the car while he goes into the office and gets the maps because he knows where they are. So Henry crawls through the air duct into the office and super cool foreshadowing for 10 seconds from now. The place in Regina's office where she has a horse statue has been replaced by a dog statue. Ooh, I wonder what that could be indicative of for about 10 seconds from now. And then we see it's Cruella. Yep. Bam. Cruella DeVille. Yes, which, awesome, so glad to see her. And this begins what, okay, so, when re-watching this episode, I'll admit to not really remembering the hell season, so I'm sure this goes nowhere and is super disappointing, but the setup for this subplot, Henry and uh, Cruella establish in this episode, I'm really excited for that subplot, even though I know it's not going to go anywhere. I'm really curious, yeah, because I have no memory of that subplot. Cruella closes the scene by asking Henry how his mother is, and then says, oh wait, I forgot. With you, I have to be more specific. The mother who killed me. Dang. Yeah, we're really not seeing a lot of people David killed. and That's because David has the intelligence to only kill non-speaking characters. Hmm. You know who else we're not seeing here? Someone who died... With quite a bit of unfinished business. Uh, who is that? Well, I know his name is somewhat verboten on this uh, podcast. Graham. Who? Exactly. But see, that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I don't think Graham exists in the universe of this show anymore. Yeah, no, he definitely, if Graham existed in the universe, he definitely would have come up again. <gasps> okay, 
theory. All right. When Regina rewrote history to put Emma and Henry outside of the bounds of Storybrooke at the end of season three, I think it was, Mm -hmm. she wrote Graham out entirely because she was so embarrassed about that whole thing. See, I think Henry coming into his author powers, you know how you had that theory about how Regina didn't really love him at the beginning of uh, the show? I do, yes. But his author powers made it so that she did. His uh, heart of the truest believer power. His heart of the truest believer. I think that in that process, he was slowly retconning Graham out of reality. It's true, because if Henry believes that his mother is good and redeemable, he has to believe that she wouldn't do what she does to Graham. Yeah. Oh. There we go. Justified. (laughs) Justified us ignoring what Regina did, which is unforgivable. Yep. Okay. Now we never have to mention him ever again. You know, we say that, and yet. I don't know. The last time we said that was a while ago. We've been pretty good about not mentioning Graham because the show never brings him up. So we cut from Henry in, I guess, Corella's office now uh, to Emma, Mary, Margaret, and Regina. And Hercules. And Hercules entering the underground cave system that that mysterious girl told them about. Which is the same set as the dwarf caves, by the way. Also, the guy who plays Hercules, he's wearing this sort of vest with a poofy collar thing a fleece collar a fleece collar he's wearing a vest with a fleece collar yes i I know it's not intentional but it sort of looks like he's casually cosplaying hiccup oh i can totally see that yeah yeah wrong uh wrong house though yeah yeah it's it's the wrong animation studio but i'm like he really looks like if hiccup did a lot of pull-ups that's what this actor looks like (laughs) You are correct. Back in the flashback, we see the bandit shaking down some townspeople. And these townspeople don't have enough money for one eye the bandit. If They've on- already been shook. If only he was after stupid looking hats. It's true. These townspeople have an abundance of stupid looking hats. Anyway, Snow shows up. And shoots an arrow at him. And the bandit says, who's shooting arrows at me? And Snow says, nobody. Oh, God, I wish it was the ironic archer. Oh, I was, I do too now. I was going for a different reference. Oh, uh, duh, Odysseus. The Cyclops. Yeah. They had to have been thinking that when they gave him the eye patch, right? Uh, yeah, wow. Wow. That's, huh. That's actually pretty clever for like a one-off little joke thing yeah anyway what he actually says is why didn't you bring your daddy's army and that is a very good question she's like i didn't need an army all i need is this bow and arrow to get you to leave my kingdom and he's like and also this god that i brought with me yeah she threatens to shoot him in his good eye and he's like yeah no not buying it come at me bro And then she fumbles with the arrows trying to shoot him again, and it is very embarrassing. Honestly, we all secretly think we're badasses, but this scene is how we would all really behave. Yeah, she immediately drops all of the arrows on the ground, and everyone in the cafeteria laughs at her. She leans back too far and, like, dumps out her quiver. It's really sad, and it's totally what I would do, I have to be honest. But luckily, her boyfriend is a demigod because he just shows up and does the superhero punch on the ground and everyone falls down. Yeah, he uh, punches the ground and it makes everything go all Star Trek. Camera shakes, everyone falls over. And the bandit's like, oh, oh, 
He's he's part god. Yeah, we're gonna book out of here, but your boyfriend's not gonna be around forever, and then we're gonna keep on shaking down your peasants. How so. do you know her boyfriend won't be around forever? He's part god, he's not gonna die. And I don't know, maybe he'll marry her and be your king, and then you guys are gonna be in real trouble. Hmm. Also, you're making a really good argument for him just killing all of you right now. Oh, yeah, that too. But it turns out that this one-eyed bandit, as we see, was being bribed into robbing this village by Regina. Okay, so this is presented as like an evil thing that Regina the Evil Queen is doing. She has paid these bandits to terrorize the town so that she can expose what a terrible ruler Snow White is. But, I mean... She's not wrong. Snow White's a terrible leader. And it's not like things that Snow White has to solve wouldn't come up naturally. She's just making them come up sooner. Honestly, Regina's a goddamn hero here. She's basically created a test for Snow White to see how she would handle the situation, and she's not handling it well. Although, I mean, as I hinted at at the beginning of this episode... Snow will rise to the occasion, become a hero, and Regina will have planted the seeds of her own destruction. So, sad times all around. Mm. Back in hell, they're wandering around the tunnels of hell. Sure, like you do. For some reason, Hercules is leading this now. Well, because he's the one who has faced Cerberus, so he's the one who can handle it. Yep. Unfortunately, as soon as Cerberus shows up, he freaks the fuck out and runs away, which is understandable... Because this is the thing that killed him. Right? So of course he'd be scared. He drops his sword, though. He drops his sword and runs. And Regina, Emma, and Mary Margaret are, you know, doing their cool chick hero pose, ready to fight Cerberus, when instead Hades calls him off. Yeah. And Hades is like, hey, nephew, hey, women. I just referred to Cerberus as him because it's one dog. But Hades refers to Cerberus as them, which makes sense because three heads, three brains. Hmm. I guess, yeah. Anyway, just a thing. I don't think dogs would get a lot done if they were attached to other dogs. As opposed to the engines of productivity they are now. I think they would get less done. So they ask Hades why... This hellhole looks like Storybrooke, and Hades is like, I really don't have to tell you anything. He's like, don't worry about it. And Hercules is like, leave them alone, uncle. That's our relationship. You're my uncle and I'm your nephew. And Hades is like, shh, grownups are talking. And then he reveals that he knows who all of the women are. He knows who Mary Margaret is. He knows who Emma is. He does bring up Regina. He doesn't. Hades is like, nephew, are you sure you want to be playing down here? Because last time you tangled with Cerberus, he, you know, killed you. And Mary Margaret's like, you mean... That's how you died? And her- She acts like she was betrayed by the fact that he didn't tell her that. Mary Margaret, he died like a second after you knew him and Cerberus is still kicking. So, yeah. Yeah, also he didn't finish his labors. That's why he didn't go up to God heaven. You, you knew that. And that was the only labor he had left. Like- Do you think he fell in the same pit you fell into after leaving you with your little bandit adventure like what what do you think what what do you think happened mary margaret world's greatest detective mm. so hades is like i know you're looking for that dude you know who tried to send your whole family to hell because for some reason you want to save him even though he's a tremendous asshole but look i got his hook and i was like what did you do to the rest of him 
And Hades is like, what? What? Look, I need you to stop fucking shit up down here or I'm going to do worse things to your little pirate. And then he teleports out and I actually really like his teleportation effect, which is blue fire. I do too. It looks really cool. You know what? It looks way better than the hair did last episode. And I have to point out, they don't do the hair effect again this episode. Good. Also, I don't think we've seen anyone with blue magic. I know it's not the normal teleportation because it's fire instead of smoke, but... I think you're right. I don't think anyone else has blue-coated magic. Interesting. Is, yeah. Wait, Elsa must have. Well, she had she had ice. That was... You're right. It wasn't really... Yeah. Huh. And this is a very electric blue. Well, and it's fire, but... Yeah. Okay, so we, go, we cut back to my favorite subplot. This so far. E- so far. Uh, you know what? I'm going to call it. This is probably going to be my favorite subplot that happens uh, this season. Where Cruella wants Henry to get her out of hell. She's like, look, being in hell is bad. I miss the outside world because it has things like gin and casual sex and gin and Um, driving and gin. Although if the church has taught me anything, all of those things will be in hell. Yeah. I, I have a really hard time imagining there's no liquor in hell. Right. She tells Henry that she wants to come back to Earth because her other options are heaven or hell, and she's not getting into heaven. So she needs the author to write her back into the world, and hey, check it out. Looks like the author is right here. And Henry's like, uh, rules of magic? You know, you can't bring anyone back from the dead. You can't make people fall in love. I forget what the third one is, but... And Cruella's like, those are more like guidelines. She's like, you just believe that old dude who showed up for exposition for like half a season and then croaked? Like, seriously, you can do a lot of really cool stuff. But Henry tells her it doesn't matter. He doesn't have the quill anymore. He snapped it in half. So he went all Harry Potter in the last Harry Potter movie and he snapped uh, he snapped that shit in half. And Cruella tells him, oh, guess what, kid? That quill was alive, which means you are now a murderer. And also the quill is down here. Yes, the quill's soul went to hell. Which, I mean... I I mean, this isn't hell. This is the waiting room for things with unfinished business. So the quill definitely has unfinished business. See, I think it was more of a... He had the power inside him all along, but maybe not. That would make more sense, right? But also, I mean, this was set up. We did see the ghost of Herbie here in... The underworld. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Also, Corella's car went to hell with her, so. Cars have souls. And apparently so do pens. But she needs him to bring her back to life. And he's like, why would I do that? He's, And she says, well, your mom killed me. That's a major sin on her record. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up about that. Yeah, I mean, she. She killed Cruella because Cruella was trying to kill Henry. I am. Oof, oof, I'm not over that. But Be that as it may. But if Henry brings Corella back to life, then Emma will be minus one murder, and she'll get a free murder that she can use whenever she wants. That's ridiculous, as though the murderous intent isn't the sin. As though it's the action that's the sin and not the motivation. I don't know, I feel like that's kind of in line with things for once upon a time. Remember, although... I, if you're a hero, anything you do is heroic, except not sometimes. What is the morality of the show, even? Yeah. So, upon finding out that Hercules died fighting Cerberus, 
Mary Margaret immediately fell into one of her trademark funks. Yeah, one of her trademark post-death funks and ran to sleep in her bed for 7,000 years. But Regina shows up to pull her out of it. She's like, okay, I'm sorry, but I remember fighting you for years and you were never this giant of a wuss. What is wrong with you? You used to be like the perpetual thorn in my side, but now that we're working together, suddenly, oh no, it's hopeless. Every time something goes a little bit wrong, Jesus fucking Christ, Mary Margaret, you used to be good at foiling people. Regina is so embarrassed to have been beaten by this girl so many times. Yeah. And she she calls her out, she's like, Seriously, constant irritating speeches about hope. Just get the fuck over it. Yeah, someone you knew died. Welcome to everyone on the show. I do like, though, Mary Margaret says she can't do anything, and Regina says you're right. Mary Margaret can't do shit. We need snow fucking white. This is a great moment, and this gets acknowledged later as a great moment, and I guess we'll talk about that more when that comes up. I just wish it actually led to more greatness. Yes. Back in the flashback, Snow White is super upset because of that way she dropped her lunch tray in the cafeteria in front of all of her villager peers. And she's like, I need to give up. Regina will be a better queen than I would ever be, which, yeah. Yep. Eh. True. Hercules is like, but you can't give up. You're Snow White. And she's like, I don't want to be Elfstar anymore. I want to be Debbie. I don't want to be Snow White anymore. I want to be Mary Margaret. Oh, who says that? No one. So Hercules is like, hey, 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 shut up. Can you keep a secret? (laughs) Can you keep a secret? Here's the thing. At this point, Mary Margaret doesn't know that she caused Daniel's death. So she doesn't know how much she fucked up when she told that secret. But she knows that she can't keep one. That is true. But she's like, yeah, sure, I can keep a secret. Hopefully you don't have some sort of step-parent who wants to kill you. And Hercules tells her the story of his actual fight with the lion. See, apparently when he was fighting the lion, he kept on trying to stab it, but its fur was invulnerable to stabbing. And he fell on his ass and accidentally set the forest on fire. And eventually singed all of the hair off the lion. Yeah, he he was fighting it, I guess, at night or in a cave or something. Sure. And so he had a torch. When he fell down, he dropped the torch. The torch burned the uh, sword-proof hair off the lion. He stabbed the lion. Okay. Which I guess is why he isn't wearing the lion skin. He is wearing the lion skin! That's the thing! Look, I know I said I wasn't going to get all, like classics up in here but he is wearing the lion skin uh, okay moving on in, in 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 actuality hercules kills the lion by strangling it because he played D. so he knows that if it's immune from piercing weapons he has to use something else okay also probably a good way to kill hydra i'm so glad you said that please let's get back to that later i mean okay i'm probably gonna cut this out because i'm just really losing it right now mm-hmm. but What he describes with the lion is how he kills the hydra, which is by cutting off its heads and then cauterizing it so two more can't grow. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Although, I did really like, did you ever read Order of the Stick? Mm -mm. Uh, Mm Mm-mm. I've seen it. Well, there's a bit where they fight a hydra, and the the fighter guy's cutting its heads off, and one of the other characters is like, no, don't do that. Every time you cut off a head, it grows to more. And he's like, yeah, exactly. 
at some point it's going to uh, have not have teeny a teeny tiny heads. No, it's uh, it's not going to have enough blood pressure to be able to maintain consciousness. Oh, that's good too. So does that work? It does work. It ends up uh, not being able to uh, keep the blood flowing to all of its brains, and it passes out. <laughs> all right, I'm glad you brought up the hydra. I'm going to bring the hydra up later. But he's like, yeah, as long as you're the protagonist, dumb fucking luck will save your life. And she's like, that's hmm. a good lesson to impart onto Snow White. Unfortunately for Hercules, by telling her that, he becomes her mentor, and she becomes the protagonist. Yes, he becomes her trinity. So, back in hell, Hercules is back on the docks doing his job, which apparently involves picking up concrete blocks and moving them slightly to the left, when Mary Margaret throws a sword at him and is like, Hey, man the fuck up, go kill Cerberus. And he's like, what? No, I I died the last time I did that. And she's like, and what? You're going to super die? You're going to extra die? He's like, he said, I can't, I couldn't fight Cerberus alone. Every time I went to fight one of the heads, another head would take a chunk out of me. Okay. This is Hercules. And if they hadn't shown that he has the medal for having already defeated the Hydra, maybe I would let this go. But he already defeated the Hydra, and now he's all like, oh, this thing has three heads. I I just can't even. Uh, also, this would have been a good time to use, say, a ranged weapon, perhaps a bow and arrow. Oh, do we know that he knows how to use a bow and arrow? Hmm. Mm. So, Mary Margaret's like, well, if you had issues, you know, fighting it alone... Why don't you just fight it with us? Because if you have two people flanking you, then everyone can just fight one head. Right? Back at the apartment. They're all chilling out with Megra. And the dungeon master decides that they have been sitting there for way too long and not engaging with her adventure. So Cerberus just causes the loft to start collapsing so it can chase them. Yeah. Yeah, they're just sitting around not doing anything, so the plot decides to attack, and they all have to run out of the apartment before it kerplodes. This is also our first look at Cerberus. Maybe it's, they it's, should stay in the shadows. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's uh, again, it's fine for TV CGI budget. Sure. It's not fair to want it to have a movie budget with, you know... When it doesn't. It's better than the gorilla dogs from Buffy. Oh my god, those were terrible. So, back in the flashback, the bandit is shaking down the same weird hat village. Now, see, I was hoping that the lesson uh, Snow White would have got from Hercules' story about accidentally setting uh, the Nemean lion on fire is that she would need to burn the bandits to death. That would be a good lesson. Yeah, just imagine if they were threatening the villagers and then suddenly a flaming arrow hit the ground and they... But No, no, the lesson was just to shoot more arrows better. Yeah. Have you tried being better? Yeah, basically she's like, oh, I'm going to shoot arrows more competently this time. If only I had thought of that before. Yeah, she arrows One-Eye's weapon out of his hand and... His bandit crew surrounds her, but she's like, I'll shoot all of your weapons out of all of your hands. And they're like, oh, I guess you won. Okay, well, the villagers are like, oh, wait, we should stand up for ourselves. And the villagers all pick up their pitchforks and kind of flank snow. And also, 
remember, these bandits are under Regina's orders and they're not supposed to kill Snow White, so they have to act like they lost, even if they could have taken her. Point. And when I was like, this isn't over, and Mary Margaret's like, yeah, they're not paying you to come back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if only we had done literally anything, this wouldn't have been a problem. I like how one of the bandits has uh, the same sort of high pony that uh, That Regina Regina has. has. Yeah. That should have been a hint that they were working together. Yes, even though she doesn't have the high pony yet. So then Hercules goes up to Snow White and is like, I'm so very proud of you. And that night, Snow drifted. (laughs) Dang. Now he throws her down right on the ground in front of the entire village and they have sex right there. All the villagers are like, I have stuff to do. Yeah, it is kind of weird how all of the villagers immediately turn around and leave. Yeah. Hercules tells her that she will make an amazing queen, which Wrong. is a huge stretch. Dude, she shot one arrow at a guy. And Snow's like, Olympus will be lucky to have a hero like you. Okay. Also wrong. And then the two of them have sex in front of the entire village. Well, they make out and the sun shines down on them, which is in Greek mythology how you get pregnant. So Cerberus has chased all of the main characters to the center of town. To the main street where everything happens. And for some reason, Hercules decides to team up with Mary Margaret and the mysterious waif girl. They decide to split the party so that Cerberus will only chase one group of them. And it decides that it wants a second bite at Hercules. So it goes after Hercules and Mary Margaret and Megara. I mean, the mysterious girl. It's Megara. Yep. So Mary Margaret's got her arrow and Hercules has his sword. And Mary Margaret has Hercules give Meg his dagger so that the three of them can fight it. And the thing is... Maybe don't give the least experienced person the weapon that they need to get closest in to use. Well, she's the one that they have the least emotional attachment to. Oh, God. (laughs) I guess that's true. So Hercules is like, how are we going to do this? And Mary Margaret's like, we each take a head. And they each take a head and super easily kill Cerberus. Yeah, it's like it's like Cerberus's heads each had three hit points. So all they needed to do was all hit simultaneously. And that's what happens. And then Cerberus puffs away in a dust of standards and practices preserving nothingness. So they all very easily kill Cerberus. And he's like, wow, could have done that when I was alive. Wow, it would have been nice to be alive and not, like, in hell for all these years. And then, and then Meg faints from all the pressure of having to fight a monster. She's not that used to all that excitement. And he's like, hey, let me wrap my muscular arms around you. And she's like, oh, I'm Megra, but all my friends call me Meg. And he's like, I'm Hercules, but all my friends call me Herc. Okay, I mean, we've already addressed it, so I don't feel like I need to again. But what a fucking betrayal of Meg this is. Yeah, she's like this wilting flower girl. And it would make sense if she was, like, working for Hades and she was trying to, like, sneak her way into the circle. But that's not really what's going on here. No, not at all. And when she and Hercules are talking now in post-fight recovery and by the way he puts a blanket around her like she's in shock even though they all fought she 
tells him that she was the girl who was facing Cerberus that he tried to save back when Cerberus killed him, and then she died like two minutes later. So she we we have no backstory on her. Like, why was she there? Why was she being chased by a three-headed dog? What are her goals? What's her unfinished business? What's her unfinished business? Not getting eaten by a giant dog. No, I'm serious here. Because Mary Margaret sees the two of them, like, connecting and realizes that Hercules' unfinished business wasn't just killing Cerberus. It was saving the girl who he had previously failed to save. So now the two of them are going to get to ascend. But that means literally she had no internal life. She had no thing that she needed to resolve. She was literally just there so that Hercules could resolve his shit and now she gets to ascend to. She's literally an object. I just am so pissed. But we cut away from the two of them because who gives a shit about Hercules in the Hercules season? I mean, honestly, who gives a shit about characters who appeared in this episode and are about to go away and never come back? Yeah. Mary Margaret has a speech about how she never used to doubt herself when she was Snow White and she used to be a cool and interesting character back in season one, so she wants to go back to that. She doesn't want to be Mary Margaret anymore. She wants to be Snow White now. Hey, I'm okay with that. I'd be okay with that if that's what happened. I mean, I know that's not what happens, but for a brief shining moment, Mary Margaret is us saying, hey, Mary Margaret sucks. I should go back to being a cool kick-ass Snow White. What's especially funny about this is that Mary Margaret will end up giving basically the same exact speech a season later. Where Uh. she's like, I need to stop being Mary Margaret and need to become Snow White again. And then Jasmine will be like, cool. And then that won't happen. So back in Cruella's office? Yes. Henry crawls out of the vent. And And lies to Robin. Yeah. Robin's like, so did you find the maps and henry's like nope that was just a dead end there was nothing there i got no important information whatsoever (gasps) i can't believe henry lied to robin hood Eh, whatever so the group takes hercules and meg back to the same bridge where old henry got to ascend and that random dude gets sent into super hell yep which i don't think we talked about this enough but What did that random dude do that was bad enough to qualify him for super hell? Like, we knew he was working for Korra, but... I mean, maybe he was also just a really bad guy. Mm. But this is where Hercules says his sweet goodbyes to Mary Margaret and gets to ascend to Mount Olympus. I think what they're getting at here is everyone goes to their personal vision of heaven. I like that. I like fictions where heaven is what the person imagines heaven to be. That's how it is in Good Omens. Yeah. And I love in Good Omens the guy who at the last minute uh, takes on the Viking gods and then gets to go to Valhalla even though he's like an accountant. That was also a thing in uh, Piers Anthony's Incarnations of Immortality series. Huh. Yeah. But uh, Meg tells uh, Emma, hey, your boyfriend's still alive and he knows that you're going to save him. And Emma's like, neat. And then they go up to heaven. She's like, hey, by the way, when you see him, tell him that I did what I said I would do, even though I just ascended. So, you know, he doesn't think I just took off and screwed him over. Yeah. Which, I mean, why would she care? She's in heaven now. None of my business anymore. Not my circus, not my monkeys. So the uh, clock tower ticks a little bit more, and we cut to a clock in Hades' weird... Throne room. 
yeah, his throne room with all the different colored rivers in it. And he is super pissed that he has lost two more souls. He's like, dang it. Whoever has the most souls wins, I okay, guess. Okay, first of all, any story about the underworld which involves people who personify the underworld, having souls is a thing. It is how stuff is measured. That's what... That's why the devil wants your soul. I mean, that that part I have no problem with. But Hades yells at Hook because Hook's friends are the ones who are screwing things up for him. And he gives Hook a chisel. And he says that for every soul they liberate from the afterlife, one of his friends will have to stay in their place. And he has to choose which one. David and Mary Margaret. <laughs> well, three people have already left, so he's going to choose one more. David and Mary Margaret and Robin Hood? Yeah, I mean, come on, not even a question. Here's the thing, there's only like 10 people down there. Yeah, like you're going to run out of people to exchange pretty quickly. And then you're just going to be stuck alone with the Charmings. Yeah, and then who loses? You. I mean, that's hell. That that is literally hell. So that's how the episode ends. Hook has to decide who stays in hell. And the chisel is for chiseling their names onto uh, gravestones. So Hades is such a drama queen. Except he's not... He's ag- not enough. Hades is not extra enough for what the lines they're writing for him. Again, I keep going... I keep coming back to... The director needs to give this actor more direction. Because he seems lost in his lines. I think you're right. I definitely think you are. But that's it for this episode. Yep. Okay, so we have our normal segments, which... For Fashion Corner, I want to call out the Village of Stupid Hats... I mean, I guess every village needs its own theme or whatever, but... Do they? You know what? They don't. You didn't need to lean into that. Let me talk about Regina's outfit. Evil Queen Regina. Ah, not the feather coat thing she's wearing in hell, which you think you wouldn't need a coat in hell, but... Hell can get very cold. Yeah, if you're near the center of it. Exactly. No, I'm talking about the outfit she's wearing as the Evil Queen, which I love because it's kind of a, a dark chocolate maybe metallic-y color. Um, It's not her innocent ingenue cuts that we saw when they were trying to make her look like she's 16, but it's not an evil queen cut yet. I like that they kind of put her in an in-between dress. I liked Snow's dress too, Young Snow's dress. It was very poofy and white, and it did have the innocence factor going for it. It definitely did. It helps that that actress is actually probably around 16. Yeah. So that leads us to our second segment, what this episode should have been instead. And I think this should have been our intro to Hercules. I think we should have had Hercules as more of the person who gets people out of hell. Yeah, yeah. If Hercules had been some sort of guide in hell who had kind of the weariness of having been there for a long time, and if he was like the man who could get you things in hell... Uh, See, I was going for the opposite of that. Not the opposite, per se, but of someone for whom coming in and going from hell is something he can do casually. Okay, here's what they should have done. Mm -hmm. Meg is his wife, who is dead. He killed her, just as he did in the stories. And now Meg is in hell, but she is the Meg we know from the Hercules movie, where she's kind of like badass and she's seen things and she's like a 40 year old divorcee you know yeah and but hercules still loves her so he comes to hell frequently yeah to see her 
but he can't help them because Hades has Meg trapped in hell. That would have been great. Also, Hercules doesn't ascend at the end of the episode. Well, yeah. Hercules should be a running thing throughout this season. Hercules the hell smuggler. Also, he should have had red hair. Well, I mean, that's that's a given, right? But I think that will about do it for this week. That will do us for this week. Thank you for listening to our show. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to become one of those supporters, you can go to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and you can sign up at our Patreon. You could also listen to old episodes while you're there. Uh, And bonus content. We have some bonus content. Yes, there's some deleted tangents for our patron listeners, as well as occasional fairy tales read to you by me. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you'd like to discuss this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at ilovetvzines on Twitter or at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. you have-